Hi everyone, I'm Louis Skippers. I've got the privilege to be a pastor at Prodeo Church. I want to welcome our whole Prodeo family today, everyone watching on Seals Course, and especially you if you're a first-time visitor. We're so glad that you joined us today. We are busy with part two of our series, Fearless, and we're on this journey through the book of Esther. Because in the book of Esther, we read about all these different characters that faced in incredibly difficult and hard situations but although it was hard they acted with fearlessness and with boldness and i believe that for a time like this a time during this pandemic we need to learn something from their story we have a lot of things to fear today let's be honest um fear of getting ill a fear of ending up on a ventilator fear of dying fear of losing our job or having a salary cut or um our, our family fighting the whole time, our kids struggling with their education, loneliness. There's so many things that have the potential today to fill us with fear, the economic instability, whatever it might be. But this is why we started this series. Because in a time like this, I believe that God wants to fill us with a boldness and a fearlessness that can overcome it. So if you're with me today and, and you are not sure about Jesus yet, I want to encourage you to join us on this journey. Because this is a special book in the Bible where God is not mentioned once, but where we learn something about God working behind the scenes, filling us with fearlessness, filling us with boldness. And as we journey through this, you might just discover that God is actually at work in your life as well, although you didn't even know it. If you are a Christian, I believe this will challenge you and I believe this will inspire you to act with new boldness. There's this old story about a spy who was caught um, by, by a Persian general, not the same time as, as a story in Esther. But this general gave the spy option. He was, he was sentenced to be executed and the general told him, on your execution a couple of days from now, I will give you a choice and you can, you can choose one of two options. One, the firing squad, two, the black door. That's where the general left it. So a couple of days later, they go, to, go and get this man for his execution and the general asked him, what do you pick, the firing squad or the black door? And the spy said, I choose the known firing squad, not the unknown black door. So he was killed. And afterwards, one of the soldiers asked the general, what is, it, what is this black door option that you gave the man? And he said, the black door is freedom. But I've known very few men who would bravely and fearlessly pick the black door. Because when times are uncertain, when we face unknown, it is so easy for us in fear to not always act bravely, to not pick the right things because we are afraid. And that is why today we're busy with our second part of the series, series, Fearless in a time like this. A time of pandemic, a time of crisis, a time of pain, a time of hardship. How do I remain fearless? Now, 
I wanted to ask you today to quickly jump on the comment line and let me know what are the things you would like to have more certainty about during this time. We talked about a couple of things on the comment line. It's been so good to hear what you've missed during lockdown, what you've enjoyed, but what are the things you would like to have more certainty about? I personally would like to have more certainty about when the church can meet again in person, like when I can hug my friends again and when we can see each other in person. I, I miss that so much after almost two months and I wish there were more certainty on when that would happen but there isn't and as you get on that comment line I'm sure you've faced a situation that I've seemed so scary for you that it left you cold that it left you paralyzed that it left you at this place where you felt like I just want to ignore this I just want to go to bed and hopefully when I wake up tomorrow it will all be gone just this week, I faced um, a difficult situation myself. Two o'clock in the morning, I woke up. I put Abigail's blanket back on her. And when I went back to bed, I just couldn't stop thinking about this problem. And the more I thought about it, the more I was in, in like split between these two options of facing it head on or ignoring the problem. And today, we are actually going to talk about this, about not ignoring the problem, not ignoring um, the, this option between the black door or the firing squad, but acting fearlessly despite what's going on in our lives. And we'll be reading from Esther 4, verse 10 to 16. If you've got your Bibles, you can open with me. Bit of background, Esther became the new king of King Xerxes I, the king of Persia. King Xerxes elevated a man named Haman to a position in the kingdom higher than everyone else, where he was not just, and there was actually this decreed, this decree that he shouldn't just be honored normally, but that he was honored in a way that, that would have put him in a position almost like a god. And therefore, Mordecai wouldn't bow before Haman in that way, because Mordecai wouldn't bow before anyone that was not the god of the Bible. And that infuriates Haman so much that he decides not only to kill Mordecai, but to kill the whole Jewish nation throughout the Persian Empire. So they pick a date, and then after a date is picked, he goes to King Xerxes, he tells him about the Jewish nation, how they are disobedient, and he gets the king to issue a royal decree for all the Jews a couple of months from now to be killed. Can you imagine that? Facing that uncertainty, ticking off the days to, to your whole nation being executed, being wiped out. Mordecai finds out about it. He sends through a long story. You can go and read it in, in chapter 4. He gets a word to Esther and he tells Esther, Esther, you're the only one who can do something about it. Go to the king. Go and speak to him. And this is then what Esther sends back to Mordecai. She instructs the, the guy who worked for her to say to Mordecai, All verse 11, all the king's official and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends his gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. 
For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your, fam your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, not today. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. The Jews are facing a hard, difficult, scary situation. And Mordecai expects Esther to do something about it. He expects her to go to the king because she's the only one that can. But Esther, like what I told you about sometimes in scary situations where we want to ignore something, Esther kind of picks that option. She's like, I'm not going to go to the king. And she had a very valid reason. She's like, the king is known for the fact that if you appear before him and you will not summon, that he will kill you just there on the spot. So I'm not going, I've got a valid reason. Because when I read the story, I realized that so often we are at a place like Esther with the problem we're facing, the thing that is filling us with fear, where we feel like I've got a valid reason for this fear. And then that fear starts to control us. It starts to limit us. It starts to enslave us. It starts to determine the way we make decisions, just as it determined the decision making of that spy I told you about. He picked death over freedom because he was too afraid to go for the unknown. It was so scary that he picked death over freedom. Esther is so scared of the king, she's so scared of dying, that she's, she basically tells Mordecai, I will rather ignore this problem and hope that it goes away. But Mordecai warns her that problems do not go away when we ignore them. Ignoring problems do not make them go away. In fact, problems are often like malt on bread. The longer we ignore the malt, the worse it gets, right? It, it just starts to grow over the whole bread. Like if you've ever forgot some bread outside or, or if you were in school and you forgot your, your lunch box in your, in, in, in your school bag with some bread in it and, and next quarter when you want to open that lunch box, it is green and it's moldy, it's horrible. That sucks. But that's the way problem works. It grows and it starts to take over everything. And you might be in a position today where you're facing difficulty. Maybe it's a terminal illness. Maybe you're scared about this whole pandemic or, or about the future of your business or you're afraid because you don't know if your children, how they will get through this, whether they would get the education they need. And often that leads to a place where we get so filled with fear that we hope to just ignore the problem. I'm not going to worry about my finances because it's, you know, for, for now I'm still good, although I've had a salary cut or, or something, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm, I'm just going to ignore the difficult conversation that I need to have with my spouse because hopefully we'll both just forget about it and our marriage will go back to the place it was like 10 years ago. We often hope that if we ignore it, it will go away. And when we don't see consequences immediately when we ignore something, then we kind of think it's okay. But think about 
that awkward conversation that, that you still need to have with your boss or with, or with someone at work. Because we ignore it doesn't make the awkwardness any less. Often it just builds on top of it. It makes it worse. And even if temporarily it seems like, you know, we both just ignore the problem and kind of went away, it doesn't. The moment when the pawpaw hits the fan, it comes back in a double dose. Mordecai tries to convey this to Esther. He's like, listen, ignoring your problems may, won't make them go away. The king's not going to spare you. The king's not going to spare your family. Like us, you will have to face the brutal facts. And I want to challenge you today. I don't know what difficulty you are facing, but I want to challenge you not to live in denial. Not to minimize your problem or to explain it away. We have to face the hard facts. When God brings something to our attention, I believe it's for a reason. When God brings something to your attention, maybe that is about your financial position, that, that, that your debt is growing, and He's like, I don't want you to be there. Maybe God is bringing this fact to you about your marriage that's not where it's supposed to be, it's not healthy. Maybe God is bringing something um, to your attention about your spiritual life not being healthy, or, or, or about a worker um, in, in your house or in your business that's really suffering. Maybe God is bringing something to your attention today, and I believe He's doing that because God, I believe, if He brings something to your attention, He does it because He wants us to do something about it. Just like He wanted Esther to do something about it. He wanted Mordecai to do something about it, and He did it. Cheeky to Esther. And now He wants Esther to do something about it. And Mordecai tells Esther in verse 14, words that I just love. He tells her, Who knows, but that you have come to a royal position for such a time like this. Because often when we're facing hardship and difficulty and pain and things that fill us with fear, things that make us want to ignore the problems, we get to that point because I believe deep inside of me that I'm not qualified to handle the problem. But you know that God made a promise to not test you beyond what you can handle? In, in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, and you can go and read this yourself, even within the context, God says that no temptation, another word to translate that Greek word is the word test. So no test will overtake you except what is common for mankind. So every test you're facing today, it has happened to somewhere at some point, to someone at some point. But then secondly, it says that, and that God is faithful and He will not tempt you beyond what you can bear. So Esther, at this point where she's at, she's capable of bearing this. Wherever you are at, you're capable of bearing that problem. I'm capable of bearing the problems I'm facing. And then it, the third point that Paul says is, but when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You can endure it. What it is basically saying is you're exactly where you're supposed to be. God has prepared you. God has positioned you. God has shaped you. God has put you in the spot. He has spared you here for, for, for some time. But at this point where you are right now, you are there because God has put you there for a reason. You can do something about it just like Esther was able to do something about it. Guys, I believe when time 
When life is difficult, when the world is filled with struggles and hardship and pain, that is when God calls His people to really do something great. Throughout history, the moments that we remember of people doing great things, it was when time was hardest. Revival in the world broke out in times when things were so dark that people thought their only option is to pray and ask God to intervene. God calls us to do something great in hard times. And I believe as Christians that it should be part of our life. We should arise and do something. Mordecai told Esther, listen, if you don't do something, someone else will. And I believe wherever, whatever fa- problem we're facing today, whether that's in your own life or in the life of someone else, if God brings it to your attention, He wants you to do something about it. And if you won't, God will find someone else to do something. And we might miss the amazing things that God wants to do through our lives because we are too afraid and therefore we just want to ignore it. Don't miss the opportunities. I don't, I don't want to miss the miss out on the great things that God wants to do through my life because I'm afraid. I want to stand for a time like this. I want to know that God has positioned me and I want to stand. But what do I do when I don't know how to handle it? I'm like, okay, cool. God has, God has called me. He's positioned me for a time like this. But I don't know where to begin. I don't think I'm qualified. That is why I don't want to do something about it. How do I start? And for a Christian, problem solving should always start with God. Why don't you help me preach it? Quickly jump on the comment line and just type this into your comments. Help me preach this. For a Christian, problem solving should always start with God. If you are a Christian and you don't know how to handle a situation, start with God. If you're not a Christian, I want to invite you today and I want to say, listen, we live in a physical world, but we also live in a spiritual world. So you need to do what you can in this physical world. But if you do not know how to handle it in the physical, if you don't know how to repair your marriage, if you don't know how to get through this crisis, if you don't know how you're going to get through this illness you're facing, if you don't know how you're going to take care of people in need that's been brought to your attention, start with God because you live in a spiritual world as well. We need to prepare spiritually for the challenges we're facing. Esther was like, I don't know what to do, but I'm not going to act like everyone else in the Persian kingdom. I'm going to act like someone who knows the living God. So she says, I'm going to go to God first for three days and three nights. You see, I do think that believers in Jesus Christ should handle problems differently than the rest of the world. Because if we truly believe that we serve a God who can change something, and I've seen some social media um, stuff going around of people that said like Christians have been ineffective and, and all kinds of stuff like that. And I believe that if we believe in a God who can create the world with a word being spoken, that's the God I believe in. I believe the God that we believe in resurrected Jesus from the dead and he reigns on his throne. If we believe that, then we should act like that. We should go to that God. We should seek his face and we should ask him how to handle our situation.
God has the power. He has the willingness to protect us, to guide us and to help him. And it needs to start with him. Esther not only said, I will pray and seek God, but she asked Mordecai to go and seek God with her. And listen, I want to tell you, if you're in a hard spot and you don't know how to handle this, you don't know how you're going to get through this on your own, you are not in this alone. You do not need to handle this on your own. Esther didn't say, I'm going to go to God and pray for three days on my own. She said, I will. The people in my house will do it with me. And the whole nation, Mordecai, sent word to them that they see God with me. I want to ask you Don't do this on your own. If you are facing a situation that's paralyzing you, get people around you that can pray with you. Stop thinking you have to carry this on your own. Stop thinking you're weak. Stop thinking people will look funny at you. We've got community groups on Zoom. We've got an e-family on on our Facebook page. Join those groups. We love you. We want to pray with you. We want to intercede on your behalf and with you to the living God. But we still have to take responsibility for whatever we do. So we seek God. We go to Him first. But then Esther says, after that, after I've prepared myself spiritually, she says, I will go. I will do what I need to do even if I perish. And that is the point where we first go to God. But secondly, we have to take responsibility as human beings as well. We have to go to God. We have to take it to Him. But then We need to pull up a new budget. We have to talk to the bank about our mortgage. We have to seek help for our marriage. We have to put in the hard work and start loving my wife or my husband again in a practical way. I have to start helping my my kids with their work. I have to wear my mask and stay safe. Whatever it might be, I see God, but then I step in. I step up to the challenge because I've been prepared for a time like this. And I do what I can do. Guys, I want to invite you today. Why don't you stop trying to carry this burden of the impossible on your own? Why don't you stop being paralyzed with fear? And why don't you go to God first and say, God, help me. And then see if you cannot step up in a new way. If you do not have new courage, if you do not have new strength, if you do not have new insight. I believe that if you go to God, he will make a way. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that we are not in this moment by accident. You have prepared us for this. You have placed us here. And I pray that in you that we will find the strength, that we will find the boldness, that we will find the fearlessness to head, to to tackle our problems head on. And I pray, God, that you will help us to get through it stronger than before. Thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that we know, Jesus, you have faced the biggest challenges in the world, dying on a cross for our sins, so that in you we have freedom to face our challenges head on as well. Thank you that the power that resurrected you from the grave through your spirit is alive in us. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Guys, today we are going to take communion together. We want to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus died on a cross for my sin and for your sin, but he rose again. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. He conquered sin. And he ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of God, to sit on his throne as God. That's the God we serve, the God that is greater than our challenges and our problems. And we're going to take communion today. I'm going to read something to you, but I want to encourage you to, to get a piece of bread, um, get some juice, get some wine for yourself so that we can take communion together in well, but first, let me read something to you. I want to read to you from Luke 22, verse 16 to 20. Jesus um, said this, Luke 22, verse 16. He said, I tell you, speaking to his disciples that he had dinner with, he said, I tell you, I will not eat again this bread, this wine, this juice, whatever you're taking today. He said, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took the bread, gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given to you. Take this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Guys, when Jesus, that night before, he knew he was going to die, but he also knew that the fulfillment would come, that he would, as we celebrated on Thursday, that he would ascend to heaven and that he would rule with God. Jesus is alive, and when we take communion, it is to celebrate his death and his de resurrection. It is to remember that he is alive, to remember that his body was broken for the forgiveness of our sin, to remember that his blood was spilled to wash us clean. He was the perfect lamb. And if this does not make sense to you today, please send us a message and we would like to journey with you. We would help you to get to know Jesus, to understand his cross and what it means in your life. So if you're a Christian today, why don't you take communion with us? If you're not a Christian, um, you're just welcome to see what we're doing. This is something we celebrate together to remember what Jesus has done for us. So let's pray together and then we're going to take communion together. Jesus, thank you that you died for the forgiveness of our sin. You were the perfect sacrifice. You took the punishment of my sin of death on you so that I didn't have to. And as I take this bread and, and this cup today, God, I remember. I remember your sacrifice. But I also remember that because of it, I am free. I can live free and I can live in a new relationship with my Father. I pray, God, that as we take this, that you would bless it to our bodies, to our minds, to our souls. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you take a piece of bread today with me? Let's eat it. And while you eat it, let's say thank you to Jesus for his body that was broken for the forgiveness of our sin. And now we're going to take our cup. We've got some wine or some juice with you. But we drink that to remember his blood that was spilled. Blood was always used in covenants and this is a new covenant that Jesus 
reconciles us with our Father in heaven. So let's take the wine or the juice and let's remember that His blood brought about a new relationship with our Heavenly Father. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. I'm, I'm so glad that you were part of this service. We love to see you here every week and I wish we could see each other in person. But for now, this will have to do. And I really want to encourage you, as I said before, why don't you consider joining our Zoom groups during the week? We also have some, some Zoom meetings before services on Sunday to get together and just catch up. And I want to encourage you, especially if you haven't connected one, to one of those, why don't you make a decision to try it? Connect to us with the Sunday 20 minutes, 30 minutes before the service at 9 o'clock. We connect on Zoom. We will post the link every Wednesday evening at 6.30 we connect. We would love to see you there. It's a way for us to catch up. It's a way for us to pray together. You're not in this alone. It's a way for us to grow in our faith. And then also, guys, COVID, this lockdown is getting long. There's a lot of people in our church that has really been struggling, that doesn't have any form of income, and we have had to step in and help them. Um, so if you would like to contribute to our COVID-19 relief fund, Please listen to some of the details that you'll hear after this message um, of how you can contribute. Thank you for being faithful, not only with being part of our services, worshiping God in such a way, but thank you for being faithful with your giving as well. It's a spiritual discipline. It helps us to trust God even when times are tough. So let's continue to give faithfully. Let's trust God that He will stretch our 90% so that we can live on it the same way we would have had on the 100%. I will see you again next week. Thank you for being a part of our online service today. If you enjoyed the service and feel you want to contribute to what Brede is doing, consider giving financially to our church. There's two ways you can do that. The first way is through our banking details and the second way is through Snapscan. Both of these steps is available on our website. You can just go to www.prodeo.org.za forward slash give or you can follow the link below in the comments. If you enjoyed the video, please share it to everyone you know. We want more people to connect to life-changing relationships. That is it from us. Bye.